Fair warning for all of you this morning, I have a cold and I am still a little doped up on my cold medicine. It hasn't worn off yet. So we're going to have some fun. At least I'm going to think it's fun and you're going to be like, this was the worst Sunday morning I've ever been to in my life. What's up with that? Just like that. Hey, if you are new here this morning, there are Bibles in the back. If you don't own one, you can have one. Take it home with you. There's sermon notes on all the communion tables around the room. You can take those so you can... Actually, on the back, there's questions. You can ask your friends some of the questions on the back if you are so inclined. Uh, Last week, last Saturday, we did a cleanup day for uh, a guy in town who was wheelchair-ridden. And a lot of you showed up to do that, and we wanted to thank you so much for that yesterday. We also had a church cleanup day, and the parking lot is striped out there. Hopefully, you guys don't run into each other anymore out in the parking lot because there's lines in the parking lot now. Woo-hoo! So we did. So thank you for those who showed up for that as well. Uh, next week on the Fourth of July, this probably doesn't mean anything to some of you, but there's going to be no Sunday night service because it's the Fourth of July, right? So, uh, right, because we don't want to blow our fingers off and, and that kind of thing. Uh, I, I, I invite all of you, even though it's not really my prerogative to, but this is Britt Stanley right here. Wave your hand, Britt. <laughs> wave your hand. Just wave your hand. This is Britt. Okay. Last year, first time ever, I, I went to Britt's house for 4th of July. I was laughing the entire time. So th- this is Britt, okay? It's like he's, he's got a firework, and he pulls it out of the box, and he brings it over, and he gives a whole little monologue. It's like, oh, this is the purple uh, thing with the green thing. And it emits showers of sparks, and he sets down, and he lights it, and it goes off, and he gets done, and he picks it up. So that was the so-and-so. And so th- it's like this. <laughs> and so it's like this whole little show, and it's, and it's awesome. It's an extravaganza. It's an extravaganza. <laughs> I call it the Britt Stanley sideshow, but, you know, it's the extravaganza. <laughs> So, I'm inviting all of you, if you want to, that's Britt. Talk to him and ask to come to his house. You're all welcome if you bring fireworks. Bring fireworks. <laughs> and chairs. And chairs. Yeah, so, so the one. See, I'm telling you, it's the, uh, it's the cold medicine. Um, we usually do a 4th of July barbecue. We've actually moved that to Labor Day. So, we're going to be doing, instead of our normal 4th of July, it's going to be a Labor Day barbecue. So, we'll get together with you then. Uh, there is a newcomer party. If you are newer to Element, uh, maybe you've been here for a while, feel like you haven't connected to that many people and you'd like to get to know some more people, just sign up in the back on July 17th. It's a Saturday. We're doing our next newcomer party. It's 2 p.m. in the afternoon. The place we're doing it has a pool. So if you have kids, bring your kids. Come and hang out get to know some people. Uh, I will actually not be at that one, so that's a bonus for you as well. Uh, I will actually, I'm going to be in Haiti. Uh, and what we're doing in Haiti is we know a couple guys, and they are trying to actually start an orphanage in Haiti. One of the guys actually grew up as an orphan and in an orphanage in Haiti. And so right now they're working with a children's hospital. They're working with five different orphanages, but they want to start one of their own. And so I'm taking me and two other people, and we're going to Haiti. What we're doing is we're filming a documentary of them, a couple promo things, then put together in a production packet so they can start sending it out to people to try and get some support to build this orphanage. We will also, later in the year, maybe beginning of next year, actually take a trip there. We will open that up to all of you if you would like to go. So keep that in the back of your minds. Uh, Usually a trip to Haiti right now is costing about $1,700. That's in-country cost as well as airfare. Uh, You know, they, they will, when you get there, part of that will take care of all your food, great lodgings, and a tent. Because, well, right now, they don't want anybody really staying inside houses in case another earthquake takes place. And, oh, my goodness. The, so, well, I guess that wasn't very funny. But 
they're sleeping in tent stuff. So we'll open that up to you uh, either later this year or next year that you guys can come. We'll show you some of the stuff while we're there. Uh, our new website will probably be up at that point, and so there'll be some posts while we're there. You can see what we're doing. Okay, I think that's all my stuff. That was like five minutes of extra announcements. Sorry. Why don't you stand on me with reading to God's Word? <clears throat> this is Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25. And it says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Let's pray. Father, this morning I ask that you would teach uh, the men in this room how to be the men that you called them initially to be. God, help us to be those who see what you have placed upon our lives and, and walk in that. We ask that you would teach us as your children to love you in front of everybody. Amen. Have a seat. If you have a Bible, you can open to uh, Esther chapter 1. This is our third week in the book of Esther, and, and what a week it is. This is going to be so much fun. Ladies, if you do not know this, uh, I'll let you in on a secret. Men are crazy. Okay, men are crazy. I know this because I am one, and I am crazy. You can ask my wife, but I'll be first friend to count crazy guy right here. Uh, you'll see that today. I don't know, if you are a girl today and you've ever had a husband, a boyfriend, a dad, a brother try to convince you that something was a good idea, even though everything in your mind is saying no, but all of his friends thinks it's a good idea, so he thinks it's a good idea, like eat this, drink that, buy that, that that's kind of what happens today. Guys get in packs and they do really stupid things. Now first I will tell you that what we talk about today is not so anybody can leave here with a lowered view of men. That is not what I'm talking about, okay, at all. Uh, what I tell you is not so that anyone can try and make a man less of a man. Uh, if men didn't do much of what they do, the world would be a totally boring place. So we kind of need that. Men many times just need to know how to direct their manness in, good, in a good direction. So we'll have a little bit of fun with this and see how this goes. Uh, two weeks ago, you saw that uh, King Xerxes showing off his wealth. He has a six-month party, and after this six-month party, he has another seven-day party called a potos, which translates literally as drinking party. We call this the Oktoberfest, and this is just for the guys. They go out into a covered garden, and they have their party out there. And Esther 1.10, it actually says, on the seventh day when King Xerxes was high in spirits from wine. Now, this cannot be a good way to start a story about a dude. I'm just telling you because I've seen it. So I'm going to need your help. We're going to do a little like, this is like ancient church liturgy. I'm going to read something, and then you're going to respond with, and that's how the fight started. <laughs> I'm sure you've been to high church before, and you've been like, this is totally how it went. All right? Okay, so try, and that's how the fight started. Okay, one year a husband decides to buy his mother-in-law a cemetery plot as a Christmas gift. So the next year she, she gets to Christmas and doesn't get a gift. And she says, why? And he said, well, you didn't use the one I bought you last year. Excellent. A wife walks into the living room and asks her husband, what's on TV? And he says, dust. All right. See, you guys are so good at this. This is wonderful, okay? A wife is hinting about what she wants you know, for their upcoming anniversary. She says she wants something shiny that goes to zero, three hundred in three seconds. So he buys her a scale. Jack, oh, this is bad. Yeah. So husband asks his wife, where do you want to go for anniversary? She's, she's very happy. Oh, he, he's really thinking about me. And, you know, and she says, I want to go someplace I haven't been for a long time. So he says, how about the kitchen? 
husband and wife are in the grocery store. They're walking down the aisle. The husband sees a 12-pack of Newcastle for $14.95. And the wife sees a jar of cold cream for $7.95. She says, I want the cold cream. And he says, the beer will make you look better at night than the cold cream. I'll, go, I'll give you one more. Okay. <laughs> Who are they coming to get? Are they coming to get? Okay, uh, a husband and a wife, they go to a high school reunion. They look over at a table next to them, and there's a lady over there, and she's just sauce, been drinking all night long. And finally, the wife looks at the husband, and she, he goes, she goes, do you know her? And he goes, yeah, it used to be my old girlfriend. Apparently, she hasn't stopped drinking since we broke up all those many years ago. And the wife says, my goodness, I can't believe some could go on partying that long. Okay, one more. Esther 1, 10 and 11. On the seventh day, when King Xerxes was high in spirits from wine, he commanded the seven eunuchs who served him, Memu, Ma'am, Biztha, Harbona, Bigtha, Abagtha, terrible names, Zethar, Carcass, to bring before him Queen Vashti wearing the royal crown in order to display her beauty to the peoples and nobles, for she was lovely to look at. That's how the fight started, right there. It's like, he's been drinking a whole lot. Hey, guys, your wives look like trolls on holiday. Let me show you mine. <laughs> and he goes and he wants to bring her out and show her to everybody. The historian uh, Herodotus wrote that Persians are extremely fond of wine and they are not supposed to vomit or urinate where anyone can see. This is why they're having this drinking party out in the covered garden so they can like, pee in the trees and no one would see. Uh, he says, It is usual for them to be drunk when they are debating the most important issues. This means matters of state when they're discussing laws. It's like, is that what our Congress does? Seems like it sometimes. I know. However, any decision they reached is put to them on the next day when they are sober. If they still approve of it when they are sober, it is adopted, but otherwise they forget about it. Nice. Nice. So what happens is you see King Xerxes, high in spirits from wine, decides to try and do something really stupid and doesn't consider it the next day. Now, on Vashti's side, almost all Hebrew scholars agree that when she is commanded to come wearing her royal crown, it means only the royal crown. So she's supposed to show up naked in front of all these guys. Yeah, oh, exactly. Now, some people, when they read this, they go, yeah, this is, this is what alcohol does. You know, alcohol is evil. I will tell you, Scripture says that alcohol God created as good. It's what people do with it that are bad. As a matter of fact, the Jews used to say, when Israelites eat and drink and make merry, they bless and praise and extol the Holy One. This is what is supposed to happen. You're supposed to be able to get together with friends and, and have a few beers or wine or whatever and enjoy their company and their friendship. This is how alcohol was meant to be used. In, in groups of people, having, uh, worshiping God how you were intended. But then they also said, when other nations eat and drink, they turn to lewdness. This is exactly the case. This is the difference between how Christianity is supposed to live redeemed in alcohol usage and how everybody else uses it. Oh, let's go down to the bar and pick up on chicks and take them home and get a few beers in them. That is lewdness. And this is what happens. You see the difference between how uh, godly people were supposed to drink and how everybody else was, everybody else actually drank. And so what Xerxes does is he makes this order, he's all lit on booze, and he starts to treat Vashti like a concubine, like a prostitute, like anything but a wife. Now how does this go over? Verse 12, but when the attendants delivered the king's command, Queen Vashti refused to come. Right, right, That's totally, I, I totally get that. Then the king became furious and burned with anger. So that doesn't go so well over with the king. 
Hebrew scriptures are all tied together. What you see here is that uh, Queen Vashti, she is summoned and she doesn't come and she is punished. Later in the story, you, you'll see Esther, she is, comes unsummoned and she is not punished. Vashti and not coming could be either being stubborn or being noble. I think she's being noble. Uh, with the sexual nuances that are actually written in the Hebrew text, it could have, Vashti could have actually thought, if they find me very attractive, they'll kill the king and take me for themselves. Or if they think I am ugly, I'll bring disgrace upon the king. Or she could have been thinking, I'm not going out there in front of all those drunk frat boys showing off myself. That's what I think was happening. Upon refusing to come, the king's uh, ego suffers a blow. He gets angry. And what does he do? He asks his friends what he should do. Verse 13, since it was customary for the king to consult experts in matters of the law and justice, he spoke with the wise men who understood the times. These are astrologers. It's like, what do I do? I'm going to call 1-900-MISS-CLEO and say, hey, my wife didn't show herself naked to all my drunk buddies. What should I do? Okay. So they're close to the king, Karshina, Shethar, Admetha, Tarshish, Marius, Marcina, Memucan. The seven nobles of Persia and Media who had special access to the king were highest in the kingdom. Now, in Ezra 7.14, it actually refers to the council of these seven. These people are probably part of that, who made lots of laws in the land of Persia. So, King, so he says this, According to the law, what must be done to Queen Bashti, he asked. She has not obeyed the command of King Xerxes that the eunuchs have taken to her. What can I do to her? I'm angry. I'm so mad. I'm talking about myself in the third person. I'm like, Bob Dole. Bob Dole did it. Bob Dole. Verse 16. Then Memucan, and Memucan actually throughout the Esther story is actually linked to Haman, who you'll see in a couple weeks. Then Memucan replied in the presence of the king and the nobles, Queen Vashti has done wrong. I didn't get to see her naked. I'm so angry. Not only against the king, but also against all the nobles and the peoples of all the provinces of King Xerxes. And we say, really? <laughs> really? Uh, for the queen's conduct will become known to all women, so they will despise their husbands. Now, the word here for the spies, it, it's scorn. It means to not show honor, a lack of honor. Uh, later in the conflict, later in Esther, you'll see this conflict keeps arising because of this word honor. Mordecai refuses to honor Haman, and it causes all the destruction in the story. It says, They will despise their husbands and say, King Xerxes commanded Queen Vashti to be brought before him, but she would not come. This very day, the Persian and Median women of nobility who have heard about the queen's conduct will respond to all the king's nobles in the same way. There will be no end of disrespect and discord. Now, it seems to me like he's freaking out just a little bit, right? It's like, it's like maybe his wife doesn't like him. Maybe his wife won't get naked for him. I don't know, but he's very upset about this. Verse 19, Therefore, if it pleases the king, so he's very differential to the king, let him issue a royal decree and let it be written in the laws of Persia and Media, which cannot be repealed, that Vashti is to never again to enter the presence of King Xerxes. Now, when you see that, you may go, well, that's not so bad. <laughs> what it actually means is uh, to kill her. So he's planning to kill her. Also, let the king give her royal position to someone else who is better than she. This actually in the Hebrew is written exactly like 1 Samuel 15, 28, where Saul, when he does evil, it is written that Saul's kingdom is going to be given to someone who is better than he, which would be King David. Then when the king's edict is proclaimed throughout all his vast realm, all the women will respect their husbands from the least to the greatest. Because it's a law. Women respect your husbands. It's the law. Even when they're crazy. The king and his nobles were pleased with this advice. Of course they were. 
So the king did as Mimikan uh, proposed, but then the king goes further. He sent dispatches to all the parts of the kingdom, to each province in its own script, and to each people in its own language, proclaiming in each people's tongue that every man should be ruler over his own household. And thus it has been ever since. Right? Right! Okay. Now, what, what I've got to do this morning is I've got to take this text and, I'm, and I've got to apply it to you. So you walk out of here going, oh, and, and that's what I'm going to do. I'm, I'm going to do a really good job of this, I think, this morning. What is interesting to me is that Paul in the book of Ephesians commands husbands to love their wives, but he calls women to respect their husbands. Love many times for women comes very easy. Respect comes hard. Ladies, do you respect your husbands? If you are dating a guy, do you respect that guy? If you don't respect him, you need to dump him. True story, right there. You need to dump him. Uh, If you have been dating a guy for a while and he makes you less godly when you are with him, you need to dump him. He needs to be someone that makes you more godly when you are with him. Many men are not respect-worthy because they do not understand or know their own masculinity or what they've ever been called to. Uh, So that's where we're going to camp, crazy guys, how not to be one. Uh, I'm going to come out swinging. Uh, Two weeks ago, I told nice about how we're all part of God's story and how wonderful it is, and I was very nice to you. Uh, Actually, one of the guys in my school group said, it was so great. My wife and I, we went out and we got ice cream afterwards. It was great. I'm like... Not so much, I'm going to come out swinging today. See, I made you laugh. Now I'm going to beat you up for a little bit. Uh, God created men and women distinctly male and female. We are equal as image bearers of God, but we are male and female. You see this from Genesis chapter 1, 2, and 3. Therefore, men and women do not have to be alike to be equal. Jesus and the Father, uh, they are one God and yet they are distinct in their personalities. Men and women are different, not because of environment, because of creation. Now, as I go through this today, ladies, you're going to be like, yeah, yeah, I will get to you in a couple weeks, okay? (laughs) So you're like, when is that? I'm not coming. But I'll get to you. Don't worry. It's coming. When I first became uh, a Christian, I started hanging out with a guy named Brad. And Brad's married to a great lady named Sandy. They got three kids, uh, uh, Nicholas, uh, Brianna, and Danielle. And I watched how Brad wrestled with his son and played with his son. And then I would wrestle with Brad and Nick. And Nick would wrestle with me. And we'd beat each other and light things on fire. And, you know, we'd just, and then we'd sit down and he'd have his little girls. And he'd, and he'd watch old movies and watch Care Bears and, you know, and play with his little girls. And you see this total difference in how they were made. There are differences from creation that God has put in men and women. So I'm going to take you to creation, and I'm going to show you three things I believe that God made men instinctively to be. And then we'll look at how men misuse those things. The first thing that God created men to be were cultivators. Cultivators. God created men to cultivate an untamed land into a garden after the prototype of Eden. You see this in Genesis chapter 2. Men were created for work and for challenge and competition, for pioneering new frontiers. If you are a guy and you think, well, I'm not very manly because I don't do all this other guy stuff, and you like to garden, that is a biblical thing. You are doing something biblical. Masculinity is cultivated in men as they create and cultivate things in their lives to their optimal abilities. This could be a garden, land, it could be your home, it can be your job, your finances, your physical bodies, your soul, your mind, but it includes your wife and your children. Men have this motto. If you've never known this, ladies, men have this motto, bigger, better, upgrade. Okay, whatever it is, whatever we're into, that's what we bigger, better, upgrade. Tech advances become around because guys want something bigger, better, and to upgrade. 
men were supposed to become tough and resilient and disciplined because we are cultivators. We are cultivators. And when men get bored or they don't love God, they begin to cultivate sin in their own life just like King Xerxes did. Uh, when the fall takes place, when man sins against God, the ground itself, the thing that's under man's dominion is also cursed. And so man now has efforts and opposition into everything that he tries to do. Everything he tries to rule over is hard. It's like you fix your car and it breaks. You get a little extra money in the bank, something else breaks, and you've got to fix that. Everything is hard. And you know why? That's because God loves you. Honestly, it says God loves you. It is great grace because God takes everything under a man and it fights against him and so we understand how mankind is always fighting against our great God and Savior and we understand better the grace and redemption that God reaches down and gives to us that we are saved by grace this is all supposed to make man desire grace everything you try to do will be hard everything is a fixer-upper you will never get out of your bills and you're welcome the second thing men were meant to be is they're meant to be warriors. Men are meant to be warriors. God created men to rule on his behalf, and therefore God's enemies are to be man's enemies. And when Satan attacks, the man is supposed to fight. But just like in Esther, most men fail to fight, and they simply go along with the crowd. You see this in Genesis chapter 3 with Adam. God gave men testosterone in abundance, and we're supposed to use this well. Men are created for battle and competition and suffering and even death like their King Jesus as they fight evil and defend truth and justice and protect the weak and the vulnerable, especially women and children. It is why you watch movies when the bad guy gets it in the end, you're like, yeah! And you watch old westerns and it's, bang, and the bad guy gets shot and you're like, yeah! Because we want the good guys to win. And if a man doesn't realize how God made them, they'll become warriors toward women and wusses toward everything they're supposed to fight. You were created to be a warrior and a cultivator, and you're also created to be a sage. A sage. This is a teacher or a priest. By how you live your life, God instills certain things into you as a man. You guys, you have to know your Bible. You've got to be reading it. God created men to receive knowledge and wisdom and teach that to others, especially their wives and their children. Good dads will teach their kids with their lives, with their living, everything that they do. You see in Adam in Genesis chapter 2 and 3, he doesn't pass it on, but he was supposed to. God told Adam, this is what you're going to do in the garden, and this is what you're not going to do in the garden. Adam's like, whatever, I got a wife, she's hot and naked, and doesn't even think about what God told him to do anymore. Men are created to receive knowledge and wisdom and impart that to others. Proverbs tells you that if boys don't get wisdom from their fathers, they will get it from other men, and many times that wisdom they get is not good. You must teach your kids the truth. Cultivator, warrior, sage, that's what you're called to be. Puff your chest out. Walk. Warrior, cultivator, and sage, that's what you are as guys. Cultivator, warrior, sage. Remember that you're like... Okay, I'm going to remember three words. Remember those three words? You walk out this door, you'll be doing well. Cultivator, warrior, and saints. Masculinity, it is not bad. It is very good. But what so many men do with that masculinity is bad. 1 John 2.14 says, I write to you, fathers, because you have known him who is from the beginning. That is wisdom. And I write to you, young men, because you are strong. Strength and wisdom are always meant to go together. And so when you impart that wisdom, is that wisdom from above or not? Kids need to understand when they are young that they are to protect women and children and protect the weak and the oppressed, and they're supposed to stand for truth and justice. So when they get older, they won't smack women around. They won't be bullies. They will take care of people around them. They understand mommy is important. Cultivator, warrior, sage. So I'm going to give you three ways that men misuse these gifts that God has given us. 
I'm going to show you these from the book of Proverbs. I'll pull these out and, and read them to you. You'll be like, oh my goodness, because it's true for today. Here you go. The first way men misuse the cultivator, warrior, and sage is some men abuse their masculinity and they become thugs looking to get a conquest. It's like guys with full little black books and all kinds of women. Or it's guys who what they do is they try and blame God or somebody else for their own problems. This is just like Adam who blames God and his wife for his own problems. Uh, you see, God shows up in the garden after they sin and God says, someone's going to get spanked. And Adam goes, her, spank her. That's exactly what, what happens. Uh, here you go. Proverbs 1.10. My son, if sinners entice you, do not give in to them. Do not give in to them. Do not abuse your masculinity by going along with people that are doing something that is not right. Verse 11 through 18 speaks of how some men run in packs like King Xerxes. It says stay away from them. If good men don't call you in a good direction, bad men will. And you must follow God, not them. Proverbs 16.29, a violent man entices his neighbor and leads him down a path that is not good. A man who abuses his masculinity will force people around him to do things they should not do because they are intimidated by him. Proverbs 19.26, he who robs his father and drives out his mother is a son who brings shame and disgrace. This is like a daytime Jerry Springer talk show right there in that verse. You, you have kids, some of them maybe aren't that strong, but they know how to manipulate their parents. If you are a boy and you manipulate your parents, you are abusing your masculinity. And you are called to stop that. Stop that. Uh, Proverbs 20, 29. The glory of young men is their strength. Gray hair is the splendor of the old. This is why young and old need to go together and the old need to have wisdom. This gray hair means wisdom. Proverbs 24, 1 and 2. Do not envy wicked men. Do not desire their company. For their hearts plot violence and their lips talk about making trouble. Proverbs 28.15, like a roaring lion or a charging bear is a wicked man ruling over a helpless people. Men who abuse their masculinity look for people to intimidate. Proverbs 29, verse 10, bloodthirsty men hate a man of integrity and seek to kill the upright. If you are a man who abuses your masculinity, men who do it right and live with integrity will irritate the snot out of you. You'll be like, oh, I can't stand those guys. That's because you're abusing your masculinity and hate when people do it right. 1 Corinthians 11 says, Man is the glory of God. Living and abusing your masculinity is not the glory of God. The second thing with this cultivator, warrior, and sage is some men avoid their masculinity. They avoid it, try and get along, just like Adam. He sits quietly and idly while Satan declares war on his wife and his God. He's not doing anything. He's just sitting there all nice and quiet while his wife is attacked. Adam Sandler used to do this skit in Saturday Night Live. He walks up and he's all, can I sleep in your bed? Can I stay at your house? Can I wash your dog? Did you ever see that? No? Okay, well, never mind. I think Chris Farley was in it. Whatever, I'm, I'm old. But that's, that's this guy. That's this guy. Proverbs 12, 24 says, Diligent hands will rule, but laziness ends in slave labor. Men who avoid their masculinity do not put their pants on and go to work. They're lazy all the time. They expect everybody else to take care of them. Proverbs 3.27, do not withhold good from those who deserve it when it is in your power to act. Men who avoid their masculinity when something evil is happening around them, they look the other way and walk away. You cannot avoid your masculinity. If it is in with your power to act, do right, you must do right. Proverbs 14.23, hard work brings profit, but mere talk leads only to poverty. This means don't avoid your masculinity. Set your alarm, put on your pants, go to work. Girls, if you're dating the guy for two years, been promising you things for two years, oh, I'm going to this, and I'm going to this, and I'm going to this, and he's all talk and no action, dump him. Find another guy. He's not going to grow up. 
He's avoiding his masculinity. Proverbs 23, verse 20. Do not join those who drink too much wine or gorge themselves on meat, for drunkards and gluttons become poor and drowsiness clothes them in rags. This is the college frat guy verse. You drink, you pass out, you get up and do it the next day. That's these guys. These guys are avoiding their masculinity. Proverbs 24, 30 to 34. I went past the field of the sluggard, past the vineyard of the man who lacks judgments. Thorns had grown up everywhere. The ground was covered with weeds, and the stone wall was in ruins. I applied my heart to what I observed and learned a lesson from what I saw. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come on you like a bandit and scarcity like an armed man. These are guys, they avoid their masculinity because they have no diligence. Take a day off, oh, I'm sick, oh, I got this, I got that, and they never show. And you know what girls usually see in these guys? Potential. Potential. There is no potential. Make them grow up first. You're welcome. Proverbs 29, verse 3. A man who loves wisdom brings joy to his father, but a companion of prostitutes squanders his wealth. This is like porn, bars, easy women, full black books. These are guys who want the means. They want sex, but not the toil of developing a marriage relationship with a woman. I was listening to a radio show last week, and they were talking about the 10 least masculine cities in America. And the, the least masculine city in America, they said, was Portland, Oregon. Go figure. I don't know. Okay, so Portland, Oregon. And, and they couldn't believe it because they were like, Portland, Oregon has the most strip clubs per capita than any city in the nation. And they're like going, so I can't see how it can be the least masculine city in the, in the nation if it has that many strip clubs. I'm like, going, on my mind, I'm going, that's exactly why they're the least masculine city because everybody's avoiding their masculinity. They want to see naked women, but they don't want to marry her to go, get naked for me. Wives, get naked for your husbands. You're welcome. Right. <laughs> Proverbs 29, verse 21. If a man pampers a servant from youth, he will bring grief in the end. These are like pampered kids. Some kids are taught to avoid their masculinity. They're taught to avoid it. I, I will tell you, the, these, when I grew up, okay, when I grew up, my mom didn't pamper my brother and I at all. She's a single mom, and it, it's like, if I wanted to stay home from school, I, I, I had to be like coughing up blood. It's like, oh, oh, there's my left lung. Okay, you can stay home from school today. But that's what it was like. She instills a worth, work ethic in us. I, I'll tell you, everybody I run into that knows my brother actually speaks highly of him because of his work ethic. And it was instilled in us because we weren't pampered. I wished I was when I was a kid, but now I'm glad I wasn't. So some men uh, abuse, some men avoid. Cultivator, warrior, and sage. And then some men, lastly, some men abandon their masculinity. They abandon it like Adam who fled from God and his wife when he sinned. These are guys who get all fired up about something and then they realize it's work, so they quit. Oh, I'm done. It's like, I love you forever. And then they want a divorce two years later. That's, that's what these are, hot and cold. Proverbs uh, 2.12 says, Wisdom will save you from the ways of wicked men, from men whose words are perverse, who leave the straight paths to walk in dark ways, who delight in doing wrong and rejoice in the per, uh, perverseness of evil, whose paths are crooked and who's, uh, who are devious in their ways. Certain guys will abandon the things God has called them to and then encourage others to journey with them uh, on, on their evil path. Uh, they support each other in their wickedness. Uh, Proverbs 11.3, the integrity of the upright guides them, but the unfaithful are destroyed by their duplicity. Again, these are guys who are like, oh, I'm committed, and, and then they're gone. I love you, and then they're gone. Proverbs 24, verse 10, if you falter in times of trouble, how small is your strength? When it gets hard, do you abandon your masculinity, or do you stay the course for the hard thing that you have committed to? Uh, I had a conversation with the guy uh, a little bit ago who had just become a believer. His family's, family wasn't a believer. He wanted to get baptized. They didn't want him to. Everything in his family became very hard for him because he became a believer. And I said, you know what? 
this is how it is. Everything in this world will fight against you except sin. And I said, but you cannot abandon who God has called you to be. And, and he hasn't, and he hasn't. But I'm telling you, everything will fight against you except sin. Proverbs 27, verse 8, like a bird that strays from its nest is a man who strays from his home. Some men just abandon. Now, really, some men abandon subtly. They, they stop loving and honoring and giving to their wife like they're called to. That is abandoning your masculinity. You were called to be a cultivator, a warrior, and a sage. And what you see is that you see uh, King Xerxes misuses all of these. He, he abuses his wife by asking her to do something that is not right. He avoids blame for his own action by looking to his friends. Then he abandons his wife because he himself was in sin and not her. And that should not be. But the problem is it still happens today. The same issues that we talked about today plague men today. I will tell you this, guys. Masculinity is not how good you play sports. It's not how well you can fight. It's not how many beers you can swallow. It's not how many girls you can sleep with. It is seen by how you love those around you and how you love your God as a cultivator, a warrior, and a sage. And we cannot abandon, we cannot avoid, and we cannot abuse. All of us at some point in our lives have done this. You know what that makes us? Losers. That's right. We're all, we're all losers. All guys at some point are. But there's redemption. In Jesus, and that's good news. We can return to who we were called to be, cultivators, warriors, and sages. And we need humility and surrender so Jesus can show us how to be that cultivator, warrior, and sage. I will tell you this. I hammer on you this morning, but the world needs better men. And by God's grace, we can be those better men. This is what we're called to be. Now, I want to ask you a question. And don't, don't just say, yeah, because you're here. But do you understand? Do you guys understand this? What guys are called to be? Yeah? Are you with me? Not ladies. <laughs> All the girls are like, yeah! <laughs> Men, are you with me? Okay. Then live it. A little more enthusiastically than your response. Okay? <laughs> Live it. This morning, we do invite you guys to communion. Communion is where we take that crack and we break it, and we dip in the wine of the grape juice and remind us of his Christ's body that was broken for us and his blood that was shed for you and I. This is something that calls us to its place so we can be redeemed as cultivators, warriors, and sages. Women, I will tell you this. Support your husbands, because if, if they haven't been this and they decide they want to be this, it will be difficult for them. It will feel really awkward in your house for a while as they try to learn how to be these things. But support them and encourage them. Don't laugh at them. Okay? and support them and encourage them to be this. Uh, communion is a place where we remember what Christ has done for us, and we live our lives in response to what he has done for us. Uh, we invite you guys to worship through song. Uh, the band's going to come up, uh, and as they do, we're going to do a couple songs, and we're going to invite you uh, during these songs to sing along with them, to worship God a little bit through, through these, and then take communion. Uh, while they're playing the songs, we invite you guys to pray. We're going to worship God through prayer. Uh, there'll be some deacons and elders in the back, and if you guys need prayer, maybe you're a guy who is like, I haven't been this, and it sounds so appealing. And it does sound appealing because it's what you were called to be. It's who you were meant to be. And if you don't know how to start doing that, go back and pray with them. Maybe they'd set up a meeting time with you in the next couple of weeks where you can actually sit and talk about that a little bit. Uh, we would love to pray with you. There's offering boxes on the sidewall and in the back, and we give because God gave so much to us. I mean, part of a cultivator, warrior, and a sage means we give. It's part of our worship. It's, it's what we do. And we also worship God through fellowship. As, I, as we said, my wife did make some really cool muffins. Some of them are even five or, one, five or one muffins, which I can actually eat on my low cholesterol diet, so it was great. Don't eat too many because it'll 
Things happen. Okay. Uh, but get to know some other people. You know, part of being that cultivator is cultivating friendships around you so that you can be connected to other believers. It's what God calls us to do. It is part of our worship. Men, I know I've hammered on you, but you are called to something great and something good. Be that something great and something good. Jesus will give you the strength and power to do it. Let's pray. Father, this morning, I thank you so much for being a God who calls us to things that are so much deeper and greater than we would ever know. We thank you for placing your hand upon us as your people and giving us the strength to live what you call us to live. God, for the men in this room, ask that your spirit was convict us in places where we have not been being that cultivator, warrior, and sage. And God, we understand it's also a process. It takes some time. But that you would slowly lead us to the men that we are supposed to be. Ask for the women in this room that aren't married but are in dating relationships, that they would look for a man who is a cultivator, a warrior, and a sage. That they would find men they respect. For the women who are married, I ask that they would encourage their men to be these people, even when it's awkward, but they would encourage them to be the men they were called to be. God, we thank you for being a great God who saves us that you have lived and done everything you called us as a people to do and be. I thought this morning, as we worship you through communion, song, giving, fellowship, prayer, that you would be honored that the heart of your men will begin to be the heart of men. Amen.